Welcome back to Talking Lead. This is episode 10. How's it going, Left Hand? Going awesome, dude. Couldn't ask for a better day today. We have a very special uh, episode tonight. We are in our first little foray into tactical training. We're out at Palisade Tactical in Hickman County. They're hosted by Five Star Retreat. We're here with these guys, uh, Sam and Matt with Palisade Tactical, and then also Terry with Five Star Retreat. How's it going, guys? Fantastic. Welcome in. Doing better Thanks for coming out. (laughs) You go ahead. We didn't. We didn't uh, try your patience too much today, did we? No. Range? Not at all. No. <laughs> now, you guys were a lot better than, than what I expected. Really? Like, that's why I had you you guys shoot Re- first. Repeat that really loud. No. You guys were amazing. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? Just teach me. <laughs> uh, now, you guys did really well. Yeah, when, when I when I told you I would go ahead and shoot and kind of like run like a little diagnostic, I was like, wow, okay. It's pretty good. I like so, to hear that. Makes this feel good. I think yeah. he's just stroking us right now. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, tell us, Terry, tell us a little bit about Five Star Retreat. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, Five Star Retreat, we're just a 300-acre retreat facility tucked away in northeast Hickman County. Uh, we do a lot of corporate retreats. We've got several weddings done out here, faith-based nonprofit fundraisers, church retreats, just a lot of shooting. we got six different ranges. Uh, y'all got to see a couple of those today. But you guys have people come nationwide out here, don't you? We do. We've had Some groups all big over. organizations too, right? Banks, record labels, uh, movie stars, yeah, law enforcement. You know, uh, <laughs> movie stars. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, and well, they 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 don't use real names anyway. John Smith, <laughs> Jane, you know, whoever. But uh, no, anonymity is is something sought out here, and and it's do they use fake names for that? Absolutely. Do they? Anywhere, anytime they stay at a Maxwell house or anywhere else, you know. What's the most creative fake name that you've had used? Some of them use old poet names. They'll take the first name from, you know, Emerson, and then they'll use the, the last name of, of another one, Frost, you know. So uh-huh. they'll, they'll kind of mix it up. But That's uh, not very creative. Sure it is. Is it? Okay. Sure it is. Would you look for an Emerson Frost and think that it might be well, a I think that's a made country up music name. star? Emerson Absolutely. sounds made up. Are they gun-friendly? <laughs> Everyone that comes to Five Star is gun-friendly. Sweet. No, that's, that's not one true. thing we love. That's, that's not true. true. <laughs> that's not true. Uh, no, the wedding, the wedding parties, we kind of hide the guns in the closet. But oh, you know, make we, it a real shotgun wedding. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, we're we're really happy to host uh, Palisade Tactical out here, um, and we're really grateful that you guys came. Thanks for making it out today. Appreciate and, it. And you'll see on the video some of the places that we got to shoot here. Just a gorgeous, gorgeous location. Well, thank you. Beautiful. How how many acres is this place? It's three hundred acres. Again, tucked in northeast Hickman County, and. Uh, the owner, Greg Goff, has, has done a wonderful job. He designed everything that you see on the property. But you can you can go to our website, fivestarretreat.com, and that's F-I-V-E, starretreat.com. It'll take you to our Facebook photo album. You can see lots of pictures. Yeah, you have some very nice pictures on there. You guys need to check it out. Uh, it's absolutely phenomenal. You wouldn't I mean, you drive a ways to get here, but, well, I mean, once you get here, it's well worth it. Well, and that's that's part of the appeal. You know, we're, we're far enough away from everything to, to really feel like you've gone somewhere, but close enough. Off when we were 45 minutes to an hour from Nashville. Right. So you don't have to drive to Gatlinburg to get away. Just seemed a little further for me from where I came from, but that's it. Well, <laughs> you definitely hear some banjo music on the way in. That's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Oh, thanks for being here, guys. Yeah, thank you. Um, also, Palisade Tactical has a website, too. It's www.palisadetactical.com. Palisade Tactical.com. Matt, 
Tell us a little bit about your background. Been doing some tactical shooting for uh, about seven, eight years now. Been in the military, started out, kind of did the fast track pipeline thing through the the Special Forces qualification course, served in that capacity overseas and stateside for several years as a weapon sergeant, also a uh, school trained sniper, taught some some CQB schools here and there as well. A CQB, Mostly that's the close quarters battle, like building clearing type stuff. Got to be around a lot of different shooters over the years and uh, and so I, I kind of got involved in the teaching aspect of it more to, to be selfish in the beginning, like hey how can i get better but in the end it's it's also learned how to diagnose other people and then show people kind of the stuff i've learned and and make those guys better and heck like i was telling sam half the time people that i I shoot with end up out shooting me so it's like uh (laughs) means you're a good teacher well i I hope so (laughs) you're still active duty correct yes sir which is one of the reasons why we're Mm -hmm. keeping you off camera mm-hmm. yeah so when yeah. you go to the video you won't be able to see matt keep a top <laughs> secret profile see his nice black tactical hat though yeah thank you i want one of those by the way I like that. sam just doesn't care <laughs> he'll wave at you in the video and everything sam's a friendly guy okay. sam is oh i meant to say this the glock 19 that i got mm-hmm. sam's the reason i got that glock 19 oh that's where it came from wow. yeah he had it on hold at the armory and i came in there and i was looking for it they're like we don't have one i was like crap i'll have to wait longer and all of a sudden one guy comes running back and about 10 minutes later he goes you still want a 19 I'm like, yeah. Because that guy back there had one on hold, but he's willing to give it up. Yeah, I still want to buy it. I was like, hundred dollars over uh, my price. <laughs> it's because I saw your beard, and is I, I was like, is? you know what? And I got to let this one go. <laughs> it's the beard. Yeah, you got to respect the beard. Exactly. Beard's where it's at. So, Sam, tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, it's a little bit different than Matt, but ultimately we kind of got to the same place, just different paths. I uh, I started out in you know the regular Army. I was a forward observer, which is basically you call in airstrikes, mortars, artillery, dropping JDAMs, things like that, calling in attack aviation right there alongside with the infantry. So I did that for a little while, and then uh, I had a buddy kind of push me to, towards special forces because I had no idea what it was. I was like, those guys get you know pretty cool stuff. So yeah, I'll go ch- I'll go. <laughs> they got their hands in their pockets, and I like that. So I'm going to go check it out. Here I am. So I did some Can some you guys active- mention what uh, branch of the special forces you were in? Yeah, I'd see uh, well, a lot of a lot of confusion. Like everybody is like the SEALs, Delta Force, PJs, Rangers. Rangers is all special operations. So there's only one special forces. That's the Army Special Forces, the Green Berets. Gotcha. You uh, guys are Green Berets. Yeah, Green Berets is kind of a, right. Okay. Yeah, Green Berets is kind of a nickname type thing. Where you know the real name technically is Special Forces, you know Army Special Forces. Y'all actually wear green berets, so, though, don't you? That's okay. it. Yeah, that's the headgear authorized. Because I know um, that's the name. Uh, that's the, the Air name. Force, the combat controllers, they wore red berets, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sam is the owner of Palisade Tactical. Matt works here with him. Invited us out to do a little shooting. When you see the video, we're kind of rough looking. So we've been out shooting all day. Both left hand and I have got toboggans on. In the free, freezing, freezing cold. cold. And then a little bit of rain and ice towards the end of the night. We're actually going to do some night shooting after the show is recorded, too. That'll be fun. We'll put Looking a video of it. that. That'll be a blast. And uh, we've learned a lot. One thing that I learned... I'm left eye dominant. I already knew that, but I'm a hundred percent more accurate shooting left handed. That was unbelievable to me. <laughs> I, I, weird. That's what I like doing. I like, I like blowing minds. Blew my mind. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> 
So how, how did you come across that? Did somebody teach you or did, did you? Because Sam is also left eye dominant, but right handed, same as me. And he's the one that told me that. And it was unbelievable the difference it made. Now, it felt weird as can be, kind of like when you try to throw a baseball with your left hand if you're right handed. But mm-hmm. I guess it would take some getting used to. How did you come across that? It was kind of through doing some transitions because we'll carry a like an M4 style rifle. Uh, for our primary weapon and uh, we carry our pistol for secondary so somewhere along the lines in that transition i just thought you know it'd be a lot easier if i just stay with my right eye because i'll shoot my rifle you know right handed and there's no way getting around that i just shot my pistol with my right eye and it wasn't until i had a bravo on my team that's a weapon sergeant and they kind of conduct all the training out there uh when we're doing our training and they were like hey man are, are you left eye dominant and i was like yeah absolutely and they're like well knucklehead you need to start shooting with your left eye. So I was like, all right, well, started shooting my left eye, and I ended up getting a lot tighter groups, and I was able to acquire that front sight a lot faster. So then I just kind of, it was weird. It, it it really took my my shooting to a whole other level because I was pretty decent. So it just really mixed it up. So, you know, so now I can shoot with my right eye, like if I have to, mm-hmm. and then I can switch it over, and I shoot a lot better with my left eye. And same thing with the hands because you do a lot of offhand and shooting because, like I said, you get in a gunfight and you never shot with your left hand. Guess what? You're probably going to take a round of the bicep because right. that's just Murphy coming at you. So, Sam, for for our uh, newbie listeners, because you know, that's kind of how we started the show is, you know, Zeke and I want to learn more about just everything firearms. Okay. When you're talking about left eye, right eye dominant, what are you talking about there? If you could clarify that for our listeners. Go ahead, Matt. Basically, all your, your visual perceptions coming in through one eye or the other. It's kind of, I guess, centered around that eye. And it's kind of like your left hand and your right hand. Your eyes right. are the same way. You're One's just wired focus. where, right. if you, you know, when you're naturally how does somebody, looking. How does somebody determine which eye they are dominant? You actually can take take a, your finger yep. and point it at an object in the distance with both eyes open and then close one eye and then close the other eye. And whichever eye, whichever eye you close, you'll see one one of the eyes. The object, your finger will move off the object like right. several feet. So whichever eye the, that's open and it's right on the, and it's right on the right object. On, that's that's your, your dominant, dominant eye. eye. Uh, mm-hmm. Another way to do it is to form a triangle and then bring it back from the object, and it'll literally line up to the to the like eye this. dominant. A little tighter triangle than that, um, and open up the rest of your fingers. There you go. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, like just it. like that, and just trace back, Come straight back, back to your to your dominant eye. So whichever eye it comes back to. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm blind in my left eye pretty much, so uh, bring it's, bring it's in a little tighter circle and a small object, and then come straight back, and it, whichever eye it lands on, that's oh. your dominant. So yeah. it's favoring off to the right side. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, my wife is left eye dominant, right handed, and something that I taught her, and I've taught some other people that helps you is just just start out on the target with your left eye. You know, basically cheat the gun over mm-hmm. to that side. So you know, if you'd normally be lined up under your right eye, just shift it over three inches a little, and then use the same grip, same stance, and just basically reverse engineer everything else from there on the draw stroke. Your uh, like your number three position, where your hand, your support hand, mates your your firing hand, like we talked about earlier today, mm-hmm. is underneath your dominant eye. So that kind of and the fits number your left three side. position is when we were in training. It's one of the when when you're drawing in the draw stroke. One of the draw strokes. Right. right. It's it just we'll where you talk about that more. Yeah, and you'll see that when when you go back on the the video from today. Yeah, but from uh, but uh, yeah. So so that's kind of where that dominance non dominance comes into factor. Like you're literally driving the gun out in line with so your if, dominant if eye. If somebody's right handed and their left eye dominant, there's nothing wrong with them still shooting right handed. No, right. they just learn to compensate, like you said. By 
was shifting it over. Mm-hmm. Shifting it over, yeah. And I kind of cocked my head a little bit. When right, I and that's something I don't think I addressed on the range as clearly today. I don't think we talked about it. It was just reverse engineering. Basically, if you're left eye dominant, just start out here and align the gun, your head, the target, and then instead of having to shift your head one way or the other, mm-hmm. just bring it back and then reverse your draw stroke from there. Okay. So like your position three would actually be over here where you make the gun and then you drive out. So Okay, that makes more sense. It, it'll make good sense when you kind of put it back into perspective and practice and if, it a little bit more. As far as that. Yeah, and if you've been shooting with your right eye but your left eye dominant, you might have to move your head a little bit. For people who aren't shooting with both eyes open, you need to go ahead and start doing that. Because mm-hmm. if you shut that eye, you're going to lose that situational awareness of what's right. going on around you. So to, if you were shooting with your right eye but you figure out your left eye dominant, go ahead and shut that right eye maybe a little bit just to get the hang of it. And then eventually get to the point where you can squint. You'll get to the point where that muscle memory will kick in and do what Matt's talking about. And it'll just be there. And then you can go ahead and leave both eyes open. Because that's the way I had to teach myself. Right. I shoot with both eyes open. Okay. I do when, yeah, I'm, shooting yeah. a, kind of when I'm shooting a rifle with like a red dot sight. I'm, I'm both eyes open. The one thing that Sam showed me about that was about target interdiction. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with, with one eye closed, you're you're leaving out an entire half of your four quadrants right. as to identifying a target. Sure. So you leaving yourself way more open to get flanked real easily. So he was, that was one of the first things yeah. Sam taught me. Makes sense. Because you yeah, want to have absolutely. that situational awareness, you know, because during a confrontation, you want to be aware of yeah. 360 degrees. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, bad guys typically don't go solo unless they're like the really, really bad guys. Like serial killers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Them guys. You then know. you don't know. You're just dead. Yeah. Yeah. It just happens. You just wake so. up dead. I don't know how <laughs> that happens. The other side of that was not also just target uh, acquisition or interdiction, but also sight picture awareness so that you don't have an accidental friendly encounter, too, as you swing. Yeah. And so I guess it's both ways. But Sam Sam was real thorough about that. He's a good teacher. Yeah. And I, thank you. And a lot of that's got to do with, with your training, the uh, military training. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the quicker you identify a threat or a friendly, the quicker you either engage them or don't engage them, you know. So, have you had the, I'm sorry, have you had any training outside of military? You know, it's been through the military, but it's kind of subbed out to civilian instructors. But that's that's the way the military typically yeah. works. And that's kind of like where some of the stuff comes from and what makes it a little bit different is Special Forces has a budget. You know, they can go out and say, hey, you know, this guy – can, can shoot competitions really well so we want him to come teach us and this whole thing kind of evolved in this war for 10 years mm-hmm. 10 or more years so this the competition guys kind of got with the tactical guys so now they're teaching the tactical guys now we go and try that out and say you know what this works really great for competitions but for combat i need to kind of tweak it a little bit right and so that's where it kind of evolved from and like the higher like jsoc element stuff like you're like seal team six and delta force those guys are, are cutting edge and then it'll kind of trickle down to us. After a couple of years, it'll kind of trickle down to the regular army and then civilians and mm-hmm. law enforcement pick it up. So, But that's kind of changing now. People are kind of realizing that, and they're able to go through the same places that, that train up those higher military units, the more elite units. I know you, you were saying that Green Berets by trade are teachers. Right. And I did notice that when you were showing us different things. It did have more of a teaching feel to it than some trainings where it's more a talk at you or... A 
other ones where they strong arm you into, oh, you got to do this. I mean, it's more like, okay, you're doing this. Now you need to place your hands a little bit this way. Okay, now the reason what's going to happen there is this is going to hurt when you hold your hand over this mm-hmm. way or whatever we talked about. <laughs> but it was, it was it had a very good gosh, feel <clears throat> where we lear- we actually were you, learning. You were, from you were it, actually yeah. con- you were consulting. I think what you did was, you know, everybody's different. You know, everybody's a little different in how they do things and approach things. And what you did with us was each one of us, you took us aside and you just told us to start shooting. So you were evaluating, came to the table with today, mm-hmm. and then from that you assessed what needed to be worked on. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like a, Without, like a golf pro for guns. Yeah. 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 Instead of, <laughs> instead of sitting us down and saying, all right, here's the way it's done, you saw how right. we were doing it, and then you evaluated it. Exactly, because I saw, when, you know, as soon as you shot, I was looking at your trigger mechanics, and your trigger mechanics, they were spot on. So I was like, you know, why am I going to waste your time talking about trigger mechanics? Or that's where a lot of times when you're sitting in a lot of those classes, you're kind of like, well, I already know this stuff. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to do that. And then you lose interest, and then when something does important come along, you miss it. Kind of like when you take your carry permit class and they go over every little part mm-hmm. of the gun that you already know about for 20, yeah. 30 minutes. Like, what do you call that again? A gun? Oh, okay, This I got is you. the trigger. Yeah. The trigger is what you pull. The button. To make a bullet That release. makes it go bang. <laughs> the bang switch. <laughs> the bang switch. We say keep your booger hook off the bang switch till the boom barrel's on the bad guy. <laughs> that's awesome. You can use that. Yeah, I'm going I'm to have to write that down, though. That's, that's, that's complicated. That's deep. <laughs> deep. I have to read that one for the first time. Guys, you guys just blew my mind. <laughs> it's funny. It is, no matter what. Another thing that you showed us that I thought was really, really cool was what we have dubbed the Elton John grip. That was awesome. Elton John. Now, did that just come today, or is that in your, been in your arsenal for a while? Yeah, uh, it's yeah. been unnamed. Until today? Until today. Yes. The reason... <laughs> And we'll kind of explain the grip. In fact, have to watch for the video. video, I'll show you. Basically, what it is, it's to prevent anticipation of recoil. Well, yeah. It, well, it kind of helps with a lot of times people, you know, when they're gripping that thing, they're gripping it like it's a broomstick. Right. And they'll put a 360-degree white-knuckle death grip on that pistol. It's going to bite you. I mean, right. and it's not necessary. So that kind of like lets you know, hey, you know, maybe I am over-gripping this pistol. Because it, it really lets you know you don't really need a lot on there. Safety check. Basically, these three fingers out. Out, only grip. So basically, take your three fingers that it would normally grip, go around the grip. Flaring out why we called it the Elton John grip. The key is, is whatever you know, whatever you got, just get used to it. Because people geek, geek out all the time about triggers and this and that. It's the if, if you learn the fundamentals, it really shouldn't matter what gun you've got. Exactly. Because right? I mean, I got a 1911 taste. You know what I mean? But I got a Glock budget, so I shoot a Glock. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So of course you could always get the. Uh, Oh, what's that company that makes those? At Rock Island. You know, you get you a Rock Island 1911. You get those for four ninety nine. No, I've actually heard those aren't that bad. <laughs> I've, I've, actually, I've heard some good things. And I'm pandering to get a sponsorship. <laughs> they Rock Island is great. No, I've heard other people <laughs> swear by them. So we do this thing every week called Jack Wagon Train, and each person that we put on the Jack Wagon Train becomes a Jack Wagoneer. First week was Diane Feinstein. She is the Jack Wagon extraordinaire, the engineer of the Jack Wagon Train. Uh, last week, it was a whole company, Dick Sporting Goods. And this week, the Jack Wagoneer is Piers Morgan. What a Jack Wagon. Surprised he wasn't following Diane Feinstein, but you know. Well, I think he's about this far upper. You know what? You know, I don't I don't even think we have to go into the reason why he's our Jack no. Wagoneer. I got to say his name and then it's, it's over with. Piers Morgan, Piers Morgan, Jack Wagoneer. Jack Wagon of the Week. Jack Wagoneer. And then we've got another one for next week that we'll save. You could probably use him again for next week, too. We could probably just. Piers Morgan is the attachment to every Jack Wagoneer. 
He's like the wheel yeah. of the jack wagon train. You could rename the jack wagon train just Piers Morgan. Just Piers, Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan. Morgan. <laughs> we're going to stop calling people jack wagons, and we're just going to yeah. call you Piers Morgan. PMs. You know, Piers Morgan. <laughs> I was thinking that when I dropped a couple of shots today, I was like, man, I really Piers Morgan that one up. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. We're officially starting a campaign. You know, I was, it's going on Twitter tomorrow. I was uh, in the bathroom doing some paperwork. <laughs> you dropping some Piers Morgan? I was, uh, I was dropping some Piers Morgan. I had a stomach virus <laughs> once, and I dropped a Piers Morgan. <laughs> it's it kind of runny. So, I mean, it's 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 interchangeable with so many things. It is, it, and it's, it's official. Such a it's just it a is. versatile name. <laughs> we we ask uh, three interview questions to everybody that we have on, and we will ask you guys. Uh, we don't have to ask the second one. The second one is: Do you have any law enforcement or military experience? I think we kind of got that one down pat. Uh, first one: How did you get into firearms? Start Sam, Sam. Did you grow up with them? You know, not really. I wasn't even allowed to have a BB gun when I was really? growing up. Yeah. That's wow. cool. So I my dad had a couple of guns, and he wasn't a, a hunter or an outdoor enthusiast. Yeah, I wasn't even allowed to have a BB gun. And actually, I, I saved up a bunch of grass-cutting money. I, I, got in a, I went out and I bought a BB gun off my friend, and my mom found it and took it away from me. So Busted. Yeah, so I proved her wrong. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what it's all so about. You're making a living yeah. off of it. To just to be completely engulfed with firearms. Mm-hmm. I like your tenacity. You know, and it, that kind of reminded me of when you went to go visit Lake City, and you're talking about just laying and all that ammo. Laying and ammo? Yeah. Oh, uh, we got to hear this story. If you go to, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Uh, I was party to an invitation to do a tour of Lake City Army Ammunition Plant. You know, they have these huge containers just full of hundreds of thousands of rounds. Wow. And to actually lay back and into 250,000 rounds. They let you do that? 762. Uh, Did a few slip no, in your pocket? No, officially, no. Really? I don't think. So it was just a thought. You, you wanted to. You didn't really. Yeah, for there this for this uh, context, it was just yeah. a really cool thought. I got to run my hands. You know what that makes me think of? Ducktales? Yeah. Yes. You remember Scrooge McDuck diving into yeah. the gold? Oh that would be awesome. Diving into the. If, if you that, actually do that, it'd probably hurt pretty or, bad. But. If that would have been me, I would have taken off all my clothes and been like, Cannonball! <laughs> <laughs> Willy Wonka in the chocolate with, factory. With the with Elton John <laughs> grip? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it easily could have happened. They had 50 caliber room, the 762 uh, room, the 556 room, you know, just these huge containers full. And it was fascinating awesome. to see these machines. They're cutting out 20, 1,200 rounds per minute. Just And why do we have a shortage? But yeah, so, I, you know, coming back to your question, I guess I just kind of got introduced to, to firearms through the military. How about you, Matt? No, I started out as a, a little guy with a BB gun at like three. My dad was like, hey, we're going to get you this BB gun and prop you up. I'm let you pull the trigger behind this thing. And I was like, okay. And uh, I killed a, killed my first animal like five, you know, and hunting and stuff. Him like and, Daniel Boone. I mean, it was it was crazy growing up with guns and stuff. But, you know, and then started competition shooting at about 12 and then took it into the more serious firearm realm, you know, late teens had been competitive a little bit but i was like man how do you turn this over into like what's practical and you know how do you tactically apply it and that led me to like man i I like shooting guns and i'd really like to do this for a living and go and shoot bad guys so (laughs) i was like (laughs) more than these paper targets they don't deserve it something to shoot back yeah so so that kind of led me to my profession and then that whole like i just want to be good at it so i can 
outshoot the bad guy. And mm-hmm. then that led me to, well, if I can teach other people, then I can probably teach myself. Right. And spiraled into where I'm at today. So, well, You could yeah. tell both of you really enjoy doing it. And that's that's one thing that if you are going to be teaching people, you got to have that passion for it. If you don't, then nobody's going to get anything out of it. And that's one really really important thing that i saw both of you guys had yeah i'll say there's nothing more rewarding than taking somebody who's never really shot a pistol mm-hmm. and uh in a couple hours they're they're keyhole shooting sure. and you just see the light come on in their eyes oh yeah or like uh, you know I, I taught a school teacher once she had not touched a gun before and like after two days of a, a pistol class she was like shooting moving reloading wow. you know on the move and all, clearing malfunctions and she she left. She was like, "Wow, I can't believe I can do this." You know, I was like, yeah, you can. You come from from that background, mm. never touching a gun, and now here you are running a gun and with the best of them. So I mean, mm. that's it's easily doable and it's fun. It's so rewarding to see that transformation. You know, in a person's skill set. Y'all mentioned earlier competitive shooting and how it's kind of evolved between tactical training and competitive training. Is that something y'all are going to look at? You know, doing also maybe some competitive events up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited about starting to get into the IDPA IPSC mm-hmm. tournaments. Yeah, I think I'm going to do IDPA next week because it's every Tuesday at the Army, right? It is. Yeah, I'm going to thinking about doing that if I can free up the time. Cool. Is that? Are y'all going to come up with a class maybe like for competitive shooters? Somebody who wants to get into improving that aspect of their range. You know, I, I probably won't do anything like that just because it's not my background. Mm-hmm. Like I'm more about tactical shooting. Somebody was wanting to, <laughs> you know, shoot IDPA tournaments and I've never really had any kind of formal instruction on shooting a pistol. Then I, I mean, I could help bridge that gap because I mean, basically it comes back to the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I know the thing, the, the four step draw that you were showing us earlier, I see all the people in the IDPA matches and IPSC and they're all doing those motions when mm-hmm. they're doing the competitions. So that was pretty, pretty neat. Yeah. Barry, what about you? How'd you get in the farm? I'm from Texas. Yes. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> That's it. Texas, right. you're born and you're handed a 22 out of the womb. You know, <laughs> at eight years old, I, I got what was my grandfather's gun and my father's, you know, first gun. I still have it. It's my, I shot it this morning, my pump, little pump 22. Living on a farm, being around rattlesnakes and critters and, you know, having to watch after the the livestock and, and what have you, we, we'd get $20 a pelt for every coyote that we took the rancher because if you've ever had to stretch a four-strand barbed wire fence, you don't want to do it every other week. So it was a way of life. Um, it was a tool. You know, you had a hammer, you had a pair of pliers, you had a gun, uh, you had multiple guns, you know, you shotguns. how to properly use. I shot my very tool. first shotgun, a 12-gauge pump. It was a Model, uh, Model 97 Winchester, you know, riot gun. 12-gauge shotgun at age four um, what well, with help, of course, but <laughs> but to, to really Stout understand. four-year-old. No, nah, I mean, I fell back <laughs> six feet, but I hit that oil can on the fence post, and it was important to understand the significance of that, that piece of metal, that metal tube leaned up against the back door or up over the mantle, you know, wherever it might have been at that particular time of the day, you know, if you if you teach your children at an early age how to use a tool, how to use a hammer. Guys, why are we talking about banning semi-automatic weapons? Hammers, blunt instruments kill twice as many people every year. Knives. Then, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's a tool. It's really what it is. And any operator, any, any, anybody, a law enforcement, it's a tool. Then, after you learn it's a tool, you can figure out how to have fun with it. 
you know. <laughs> and uh, so we'd have all kinds of ATM hunts, you know, out on the farm, anything that moves. Um, it's just good, <laughs> good times, you know. But you got to learn. I mean, I can't even remember. I think I was six or seven when I first got introduced to the ten, the ten laws, you know, of gun safety, the ten rules. And you just you live by those. You can yeah. you know every everything you think about, and it, t- it carries over into other things. You know, it's a matter of safety, consciousness, awareness. That as you operate a tool, be it a router, a table saw, uh, a hand drill, you know, anything like that. I re- I honestly I find myself reverting back to hey, that's kind of like a gun. I need to be careful and not point that nail gun at somebody. You know, right. it's, it's just a nail gun, but hey, so it's it's very important. And, and again, it's just part of life growing up and i'm very thankful for that upbringing yes sir now terry do you have any law enforcement military background i do not have okay. the honor of any type of uniform in my background and uh and that's how I, I see everyone that wears a uniform of any kind be it the security guard the mall you know our sheriff's department uh our military law enforcement uh they they have the utmost my utmost respect and appreciation for their service and making my way of life possible so Hats off, salute, thank you, everything. But no, absolutely, yeah, not in my Amen, background, brother. And thank both of you guys for your service, definitely, Sam and Matt. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you all. Yeah. Also, thanks for paying your taxes. I was going to say thanks. For, <coughs> thanks for giving me <laughs> a job I like out, to yeah. do. You know, that's that's the way I consider it. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things we talk about on here is pop culture stuff that involves guns, whether it's music, video games, or movies or TV shows. And we ask everybody what their favorite, you know, be all end all pop culture thing. Like we were shooting on the range today, you said Magnum P.I. Oh, you know, there we go. I think that, we already got Sam's. That's like my, my all-time favorite <laughs> But his was more because of the TV mustache. Show. Not so much the guns. Yeah. 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 Terry's Terry, ready. go for it. He, oh, it's it's he easy. Got this nailed. It's easy, man. Quigley Down Under. Quigley Down Under? Quigley Another Tom Selleck. Listen, right. hey, I'll I tell you what. When he, when he re, you know, yanks up that sharps and just drills that bucket, I mean, that, that, <laughs> As a, as a youngster, that made me immediately go, how do I do that? Right. I want to do, yeah. Man, I have not just, thought of that movie go to years until you just said that. Well, but guess what? I mean, it's a single-shot rifle yeah. that just reaches out there. And, I, I mean, ever since then, I've been enamored with long-range shooting. Sweet. Ever since then. I, and then, I actually, I got to go to the NRA, the Firearms Museum, and there it sits. It's really? right there. Oh, the actual, the, the same rifle. And when you go to the NRA headquarters uh, in Virginia, right outside of D.C., uh, you can see Matthew Quigley's, the actual Sharps rifle. It's got the rear tang elevated sight and everything. The octag, you know, oh, octagonal awesome. barrel. Yeah. And Tom Selleck, he's a board member of the NRA, right? You know, I'm not sure. I think he is. He could we be. Look that up. I'm going to have to say. I'm going to be disappointed. Mine is uh, Outlaw Josie Wales when uh, Eastwood. When those guys were coming across the river, guys like, "What are you gonna do, Josie? What are you gonna do?" And he's like, "Missouri boat ride." And he shoots the <laughs> he shoots the rope like that. Somehow I pictured Outlaw Josie Wales too, but like synonymous high was, five. Did we just become soulmates? I mean, wow. best friends. I think we did. I think do you want did. to touch my drum set? You know, I was watching cops. Is this sacrilegious to call you beret buddy? Yeah, I've been wanting to say this all day, and, and I didn't want to offend you, but you kind of look like Will Ferrell. Oh, we talked about that while he was in there. We did. We had I've been dying to say that all day. I've been but wait, my wait, wait. Sam has better hair. Oh, without a doubt. Much better. 
Like, Sam is also got, known as the hair. He's, <laughs> he's got the Dane Cook hair. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Dane Cook too. He's kind of a cross between Dane Cook and Will Ferrell. That's I don't know if that's a compliment I don't know. or not though. I would think that if George Clooney, Brad Pitt, and Antonio Banderas were to have a love child. <laughs> You know what I mean? It Conception be being in a tanning booth. <laughs> no, this would this I would be their offspring. That's Sam. Yeah, there's Sam. That's Sam. So the Will Ferrell and uh, Dan Cook was just way off. That's the product of their love child. <laughs> <laughs> they make beautiful babies. <laughs> well, I'd say mine's probably the pop culture items. Probably John Wayne. Like he John just kind of embodies Wayne. like everything American, from the Green Berets to the you know the. The great Western hero. on the Cerebachi yeah. to you know the whole the whole thing Honda Rooster Rooster Cogburn you know that yeah. whole whole thing the Duke the Duke yep just kind of he's kind of got his own you just say John Wayne you know like it's it's not because I was thinking about all his movies and like man a lot of pretty cool stuff there but you just throw out that genre and that's like that's where it's at you know we mentioned Tom Selleck being a uh, member of the or board member of. The NRA, NRA, which he is. I did look at There's some other people I never would have guessed. Carl Malone, the old basketball player. He's an NRA really? board member. Yeah. Of course, Wayne LaPierre. Of course, Ted Nugent. Interesting. I think the Carl Malone just really John kind of, Butt. Whoa. Did you see that? Which one? John Butt. Who's that? <laughs> that guy right down there. His last name's Butt. <laughs> that Lord, be that's Bert. funny because that's... Oh, was that Burt? <laughs> that would be Burt. Well, I did tell you I've got a cataract <laughs> in my left eye, right? Ted Nugent, Oliver North, Chuck Norris. Chuck. Of course. Chuck Norris is a board member. He Which, has to be. He has to be a board member of everything. Well, Chuck Norris you would, is you would think, deservedly so. Yeah. And, and who else would you think would be a member of this board but is an absolute – he should be Jack Wagoneer also. Sylvester Chuck Stallone. Norris. No, Sylvester uh, Stallone. Is he on there? No, he's not. That's what I'm uh, saying. I mean, Chuck Norris, yes, he's the manly man. You know the what was that the what the TV thing he was in Walker Texas Walker Ranger. Texas Ranger oh, yeah. and uh, Lone Wolf McQuay he had those mo- well, those <laughs> war movies that he was going to rescue in the P what was the, or the Delta Force Delta Force yeah same thing same thing with Sylvester Stallone <laughs> like numbers one through twelve you know, Rambo <laughs> uh, one well, through three his newest Four, movie actually. coming out Bullet to the Head Bullet to the Head but yet this Jack Wagon is is. Uh, on side with the gun ban yeah. bullcrap. I mean, how much hypocrisy is tied up within that? I think it all comes down to, you know, no more. I mean, no more deadbeat parents. There you, know you mean? go. Amen. Exactly That's something right. to go after. That's where it all stems from, I think. You like a bad upbringing. You got an eight-year-old playing violent video games. Why is he? Why is he at home playing video games? Why is he not out playing? Yeah, baseball go out there and ride your bike. Up. You know what I mean? Like it's the easy route. Lock your kid in a room with Xbox and yeah, yeah. Don't do With your job as a parent. Absolutely. I mean, what you know? What do you think is going to happen? But they want and the they government take away, to take care of them. Well, yeah. and they took away all the personal accountability risk stuff too. It's never anymore. Somebody does something bad, bad guy, John Doe, whatever your name is. It's oh, it's the video games. Oh, it's the music. Oh, mm-hmm. it's the movies. Oh, it's the guns. Oh, it's the no. The guy screwed up and yeah. he did something stupid. Yep. I mean, I think I think personal accountability, which points back to parenting. Parenting. I mean, it, parents, that's your job to put personal accountability on your kids when they do something wrong or to teach them the right way. And give them attention. Yes. Uh, 
it's you know it's more than that. They they want to point the finger at the video game, but you bring up a good point. It's it's that autopilot, that parenting autopilot, to where they're not getting attention. Like I said, at four years old, I was given the attention of understanding the importance of this tool, sure. the devastation it can cause. And but that was man, that was grooming. That was that was maturity and the kids aren't getting that maturity from the boob tube from the you know whatever else they try to fill in the blank to blame the the handhelds i I don't think it's the video games i don't i think that's just the substitute for the parent Mm -hmm. so pick a substitute at least call it a substitute it's the new babysitter right now my sister was about three and we were riding a a three-wheeler back that dates it three-wheeler <laughs> you know back oh, yeah. in the good old days and uh, a rabbit hopped out in front of us my dad's like you know hey there's a bunny rabbit my sister's like shoot it daddy shoot it he was like are you really sure you want me to shoot a rabbit she's like yeah he's like you know it'll die like it goes it's, it is no more and she's like uh yeah shoot that thing and he went back and forth with her like three or four times he's like ow thing flops over and she goes you killed it <laughs> like just puzzled oh and i mean that was her lesson at that point she knew that gun like you don't touch it like it'll mm-hmm. kill people you know yeah. it'll kill things and i mean of course we ate the rabbit that was awesome you know that was a pretty cool part for me but you know <laughs> she learned real quick like hey this is this is serious stuff you know and, and a, a perception of it's not just reality joking yeah, yeah. exactly it's hey, actually hunt- consequences to your actions and that's a good yep. point i mean hunting can be a good lesson in firearm safety and because yeah. of that reason because see some kids die. don't realize that can cause destruction i mean just like yeah. one of the rules you don't point the barrel at anything you don't wish to destroy yep. and just how much destruction one trigger pull or one unsafe act can can unleash you right. know one second of negligence could your secondary effects mm-hmm. what was it we said in that one episode every bullet has a lawyer attached to it sure does so it's time for facts, facts to fight, fight the myth. And I'll go first this week. So my fact to fight the myth this week is, quote unquote, assault weapons can be easily converted to machine guns. That is the myth. The fact is, firearms that can be readily converted already are prohibited by law. None of the firearms on the list of banned weapons can be readily converted, and only 0.15% of over 4,000 weapons confiscated in Los Angeles in one year were converted and only 0.3% had any evidence of an attempt to convert. Well, I'm talking about that one. Have you all ever seen the video of that ATF guy? They confiscated like a truckload of airsoft rifles because this guy claimed that you could easily convert a AR-15 airsoft rifle rifle into a real AR-15 rifle. <laughs> I haven't heard good. that one. I don't know if he still is after that video, but he was... It was they probably a, promoted him. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> But yeah, so that that is a myth. The weapons we have right now cannot easily be converted into machine guns. My myth, or my fact to fight the myth, is the myth is assault weapons are used in 16% of homicides. The fact is, this figure was concocted to promote an assault weapons bill in New York. Hmm, go figure. Their classification scheme included most firearms sold in the U.S. since 1987. Center fire rifles, shotguns holding more than six cartridges, and handguns holding more than ten rounds. By misclassifying most firearms as assault weapons, they expanded the scope of a non-problem. Well, uh, I guess my fact to fight the myth is that not all Green Berets are John Rambo. I mean, yeah, you got some that are total bad A's, you know, and just straight up can 
fight a one-man army type deal but the job has a whole lot to do with with other things you got uh you got to build rapport with the local populace you're working with a partner force you know you're you're helping out in a host nation environment um you might be doing those people more good with medical skills and building up their village and clean water supply things like that than you are with with bullets i mean yeah that's that's kind of what i like to do is the bullets part but in the end it's a whole lot more rewarding when you see kids that have never had clean water to drink get clean water you know or a sick person get healed just by some simple antibiotic that you got a thousand of in your your otherwise would not have access to right and i mean it's it's uh i think that's a, a pretty crucial thing big part of what we do so sam what's your fact to fight the myth my fact to fight the myth would have to be that um not all arabs hate americans and that's coming from being a green beret and traveling to the middle east multiple times it's they are not all saying Allah akbar and death to america and training their their kids from infancy to, to hate you know, that's not the case probably work side by side with some of them too right yeah, absolutely. They're, I mean, they're they're good people, and they're just a little different than we are. Their beliefs are a little bit different, but not all of them have that hate. The majority of them aren't anti-American. Or, is it uh, is it a majority? I would I would think that you know it'd be the majority. You know, there's I mean, there's a lot of they got the the same needs that we do. You know, what I mean, they love their kids, they want the best for their families and stuff like that. And it, I don't know, this is not what you see. You know, when you hear people talk about oh, Arabs hate Americans and, and all this. I mean, that's not that's not the case. You need to go in the Middle East. And, but in, in in your experience too, I and mean, you actually speak and you understand Arabic, so it's you're kind of like a fly on the wall too to where you can you know you were there in their environment and you could hear what they were saying mm-hmm. you know kind of behind your back so to speak so yeah. like you said firsthand experience there yeah absolutely i mean they i was i was pretty surprised you know my first couple of times going into arab countries not at not in a, a theater of war oman and in saudi arabia and these people they would totally open up their doors to you i mean it was i don't know if they were just like over exaggerating or this is the way they always are but i mean it was like wow you know i mean just anything that they had they'd give you i mean it was it was pretty take you away a little bit take you back did you find that um the people that you did make contact with that that they were interested in american way of life did they want to learn more about try to understand some of them some of them did some of them were pretty interested and then you know some of them were kind of like americans that don't want to learn other cultures yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, all, all I care about is my culture. I mean, that, that that was pretty much the same. But yeah, they're. I mean, they're not. They're not all bad. Basically, what I would like to get at. Back to what you were saying about the about about the whole. Not every Arab's out there to kill you. I mean, they've got kids. They got you know. There's old women and there's little children and like probably the the worst thing to me be about being overseas was like seeing a little kid my son's age digging through the trash and like playing with a water bottle in a trash pit like mm. as big as this building just going through it and i'm like man riding by on the gun i was like oh my god that kid is like my son's age right now and i was like this this is the reason that i'm over here is mm-hmm. to try to help these guys and i'm you know it feels bad you know when you see that it's they're still because they're still guilty. people you know it's, yeah, it's, it's, well you know you feel guilty thing. and then you, you feel proud at the same time yeah. You know, you realize you got. I think you really have to leave America to be able to appreciate it. Go to some of these yeah. third world countries and look around, and you'll realize how good you got it. Yeah. But you know, boiled down to a nutshell, is it, is it uh, the heart level? You know, hate by any name is still hate. Uh, we it, it's 
it's incumbent upon us to kind of not hate these people because they believe a certain way because that's what we expect of them. Don't hate us. We, we're dealing with that in our own country. People that hate guns want others that enjoy them to not have them and enjoy them. Kind of, and doesn't that boil yeah. down to the same thing? Well, yeah, Isn't that topically yeah, what it's all about? It's synonymous. So, so thinking back at your times overseas, it doesn't necessarily have to be overseas either. What's, what's one story or event that really sticks out. Oh, there's just so, there's so many of them. Yeah, that's the one that I thought was kind of kind of weird was uh, you know I was talking about earlier we had a one of my last deployments we had an airfield right next to our you know where we were operating out of we started landing aircraft out there and uh, it kind of opened up that whole area it was like oh these guys have an airfield so we can get supplies in that way and so all the other units were trying to use it which was fine if they came out there and like set up that airfield and use it as long as you can secure your own stuff and you're not going to take away from what we're trying to do because we got a lot of stuff going on. We don't have time to coordinate for your logistics and all this other stuff. So we got the call one night. This stuff was coming in for another unit, and they needed help. So we are like, okay, well, we don't have anything going on at the moment, so we'll go out there and help you out. Well, so the aircraft landed. It offloaded its cargo, and we're out there waiting. We're like, hey, this unit needs to hurry up and you know come pick this stuff up. So we're out there for an hour. Another hour goes by, and I'm getting upset. And I'm like, well, I'm sitting here, special forces guy, guarding this equipment. You know what I mean? I was like, I wonder what this stuff is. So I look at it, and it's bunk beds. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> I'm out here. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm out here in the middle of this airfield guarding bunk beds. And uh, and then it just, as, just as soon as I close the case on it, some bullets start flying over my head. And uh, we started receiving small arms fire. And I was like, that's great. Singing in my head, I'm going to die. Over you know what I mean? Over some bunk beds. <laughs> wow. It's pretty good. Were they handcrafted? I hope they were. I hope those were the <laughs> nicest bunk beds of all bunk beds. <laughs> In the history of bunk beds. Yeah, it's almost died over they some bunk beds. They were Ikea bunk beds? They probably were Ikea bunk beds. That'd be the way I go down. Wow. Trivia from last week. We asked in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, when they're fighting in the living room, what gun does Angelina Jolie pull out of the fireplace? And the answer is a Beretta 92G Elite 2. So if you got that right, you have been entered into the next drawing, which will be a prize from Palisade Tactical. Very, very generous uh, gift from Palisade Tactical. Sam? Two-hour free training session with wow. Palisade Tactical. Wow. wow. Covering anything you want to cover. That's huge. That's awesome. Very, very cool. As long as so it's I'm not eligible for this, right? You, you got to look in the rule book. three-hour training, and we're about to go to night shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I wouldn't really call that training. It was more yeah. like having fun. Yeah, I was having fun. <laughs> as long, you oh, know, I did learn some We were stuff. having guided fun. Yeah, That's what that was. Guided. I'll train you on anything like that. that you want to know as long as it's not like space shuttle door gun techniques. The G, what did we call it? The GSS? <laughs> nah, I don't remember the acronym. It's huge. All right, Matt, you got a you got a story for us too, right? Yeah, I got a pretty funny one. We went out on the range. My team took some some people from a uh, a hospital unit, and it was kind of like a deal to build rapport and let those guys get out and shoot with the SF guys. And, oh man, it's so cool! And you know, we just do it for fun. They didn't get ammo the whole their whole deployment like to shoot at all. So, you know, they've been carrying around guns for a while, not shot since their pre-deployment cycle, just out helping people fix legs and whatever else breaks overseas. And as they come out with us, they're shooting with us. The first thing, Team Sergeant gets over to the side, and he introduces us all, and he's like, hey, you know, here's a table full of target supplies, spray glue, 
targetry, anything you need to hang up, whatever you want to shoot bullseyes or silhouettes or FBI targets, whatever. And this table over here, distinctly two separate tables, has gun maintenance equipment, cleaning rods, boar snakes, gun oil, whatever. He's like, I'm sure you guys, have, you know, since you hadn't shot in a while, you might not have cleaned your guns. Hopefully you have, but in case you haven't, here's the stuff to do it with if you need to. So about 10 minutes later, this guy comes over and he says, uh, Oh, well, my team sergeant walks over about 10 minutes later and grabs the spray glue and says, if any of you use this in your gun to lube it, you know, this is spray adhesive. It says it in big letters. He's like, if, if you use this, I'm going to clown you, was his exact words. And about two seconds later, a guy taps on his shoulder. Hey, uh, hey sir. <laughs> uh, what if you use that spray glue in the bolt of your M4? <laughs> what, what if what if you didn't just use it in there once? You put about four squirts in there. <laughs> so he had actually opened his bolt, locked it to the rear, sprayed it inside, then let it go forward, sprayed it in there, and cycled it a couple times, and sprayed some more in there, and was like, oh my "This gets this." Like it didn't cross his mind that that white stuff was spray adhesive. It was like this is what I should put in my gun because that guy said something about cleaning your. Gun. <laughs> it's some sort of new aerodynamic so, super loose. So he had sprayed <laughs> he had sprayed adhesive at his gun. So did he get clowned? Yeah, he got clowned a little bit. <laughs> my boss was like, Hey, why don't you clean this gun? And I was like, Hey, come here. Why don't you clean this gun to to my juniors? Now, I, I got one uh kind of compliment that I can't name any names, but you hear this, you know who you are. Um, <laughs> they were taking a boar snake, cleaning the M240 Bravo machine gun, which is, you know, the 7.62 by 5.1 machine gun, general purpose machine gun that we use. And so he was cleaning the barrel with his boar snake. Well, he put the wrong size boar snake in there and got it stuck. So he can't, I just heard, hey, Sam, uh, this boar snake's stuck in here. <laughs> so I went in there and I was trying, trying to help him get it out or whatever. And I was like, man, you're an idiot. Um, <laughs> so I, I went to go get somebody who knew what to do and uh, for some more advice or whatever. And while I was gone, trying to find somebody who could help this guy out, the dude had was thinking, I can know how I get it out of there. I can light it on fire and it'll just come out. <laughs> so he lit that boar snake on fire and the, pretty much the whole barrel just started just going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. we've already we've got some. We really Pierce Morgan that one. <laughs> yeah, you did <laughs> Pierce Morgan. We got the winner from last week when Ten Outdoors Nine was on the podcast, and the question was, how many Glock magazines does Ten Outdoors Nine have? He said he was very generous. He said we could get it within twenty five. Uh, of the right answer. The right answer was 120. Um, we got a few people to answer within 25. And then the winner was from Twitter, 9by18. So if you're at 9by18 on Twitter, you have won that autographed Nashville Armory hat from 10 Outdoors 9. Congratulations, 9by18. We've got a trivia question coming from one of our Green Berets that are here tonight. Sam? What's your trivia question? What is LGOP? L-G-O-P. That's military, military acronym, acronym, right? Military acronym, L-G-O-P. So add that, and then all the people who answered this week, this past week's question, and this question will be entered into that very generous drawing for Two a two-hour training at Palisade Tactical. That's awesome. And that that is going to be a really awesome training. These guys are really, really good at what they do. Very, very informative. 
So that's our trivia questions. Thanks again to Terry, Matt, and Sam for having us out here. Well, we really appreciate it. We learned a lot. Learned I'm a left-handed shooter. That's going to take a lot to get used to. I'm still going to shoot right-handed, by the way. Do it. You shoot not? both-handed. Yeah, I can learn both. Shoot both. Yeah. Get so two I could, gats. I could be a real badass then. Yeah. And that's something else I was going to tell your listeners. Like, if you haven't shot off-handed yet, you need to go ahead and start doing that. No. Un- under proper supervision. Yeah. The point you made really hit home. Because it's like we said on the last episode, if you ever do get in a firefight, it's not like you're going to have the time to stop, get ready, point, aim, hang on just a second, let me, wait, wait. Yep. <laughs> you know, that that doesn't happen. So it's, be a it's not like you don't know you your right shoulder, right biceps can get shot and you can't use your right arm anymore. And what happens if both, both arms get shot? You got to fire with your feet. That would be awesome. For you you seen, Is that going to be the new training Have you seen the class? video of that guy doing it? <laughs> Are you serious? There's a guy that does it. He's got no arms. Wow. You can YouTube it sometimes, like double amputee shooting a 1911. He Accurate? loads it. Oh, he loads it, and he's shooting it off. He's laying on a car hood. I'll be YouTubing oh, wow. that tonight. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. It's impressive. Have, pretty cool. YouTube that, too. You can check out Palisade Tactical at www.palisadetactical.com. Do you have a phone number, business number they can reach you at? Absolutely. It's so, area code 615-430-6824. All right, Terry, can you give us some information on Five Star Retreat? Absolutely. You can visit our website at www.fivestarretreat. That's F-I-V-E, all spelled out, fivestarretreat.com. Uh, from there, you can go to our photo album on Facebook. Please like us there on Facebook, but take a look around, see if uh, this could be the home of your next event. We would love to have you, but uh, we really want to thank you guys again for coming out to our place we hope to see you again uh we're gonna make some range improvements out here as well and people uh, can rent the cabins for like their family vacation too right yeah if you go all the rates are on our website uh the cabins are are very inexpensive for what they are uh as as you guys can attest i mean it's we're out in the woods yes but it it truly is five star rustic it is Um, yeah we have we have and it's it's about the equivalent of getting a chalet out in gatlinburg come Come use our stuff. We're not going to wait on you hand and foot. We just, we're just we not a resort. We mm-hmm. are a retreat. So come, bring your stuff. Leave it like you found it. Enjoy yourself. This and place is a lot nicer than some of the chalets I've seen in Gallimore. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Greg Greg did a great job, and uh, thank you very much for those compliments. He, he sends his thanks. He's sorry he couldn't be here today. And to top it all off, y'all are super gun-friendly with ranges and long-range shots and all kinds of cool stuff. We're we're wedding friendly too, yes, but uh, we we love to shoot ourselves. Shotgun, Shotgun wedding, wedding. <laughs> you got it. Go to our Facebook page. We've got a link to their Facebook page and our Twitter. Uh, we we posted a post on Twitter too. Don't forget to go to iTunes, write some reviews for us. Helps us get seen by more people. Go Boosts to our Facebook page too. We're trying to get to number one. We got to number three, and that's the closest we got. Yeah. But uh, we're doing pretty well on iTunes. We're pretty proud of that. Uh, go to YouTube too. When you go to YouTube and watch our videos, make sure you click subscribe. That way you can and get like. notifications. Hit the like Hit too. the like button. Hit the like button. Too. Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. Don't forget to go to Ruger.com. They have that uh, little automated thing where you, it'll send everything to your senators, uh, your legislators, and do our little letter campaign, www.talkinglead.com. Once again, left hand, keep your loved ones close. And keep your firearms closer. <laughs>